Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 317. And tonight, well, normally we would have done a Night Vale episode, but we won't have one for a few days. Right. And we might have done a Lore Olympus, but we already did that last week. So, what else out there in the nerd world do you think we could talk about? Can you believe it? We actually both saw the Doctor Strange movie after it had only been out for like, what, two weeks now? Maybe three? Yeah, yeah. Uh, less than a month, certainly. I, I can't believe it. We're it's getting better at this kind of thing. My so God. amazing. Yes. So yeah. we have yeah. things to talk about with that. And I have to say, the first thing, the most obvious thing that I noticed, this movie had nothing to do with the events of Spider-Man No Way Home. Not no, even a little bit. I was expecting... The that that was what this movie was mostly going to be, was him being put on trial for messing with the universe. No, nothing. Well, part of that, if you believe the trivia, this movie was supposed to come out before Spider-Man No Way Home. I saw that. I think just, yeah, changes in casting and I think changes in scheduling due to COVID and all other sorts of stuff, uh, that kind of played havoc with it and they changed it around. I thought it worked perfectly well on its own. Mind you, giant spoiler warnings from here on out because we are going to spill all the tea on this one. Yes, yes. So... Oh, this movie is apparently the first of the MCU to be officially designated horror. Now, I thought it was, uh, when you get right down to it, it's it's not like hostile or something like that. It's mild no. horror, but it was still disturbing in places. I mean, oh, yeah, there were some people who got killed, like, really graphically. I mean, when you get right down, I mean, oh. Black Bolt? Holy cow. That just, I literally gasped when that happened. Yeah, I do too, because it was the last thing I was expecting. I thought for sure this was just going to be a regular old MCU fight where everybody punches each other and then maybe they learn something and, you know, fight again another day. No, they all died. Every one of them. The Illuminati got slaughtered by the Scarlet Witch, who made, I have to say, a hell of a villain in this movie. My good. I mean, and all of the effects were so beautiful. I mean, just the one scene where they think they've captured her and she's in this room full of spikes and mirrors and everything. And then she's playing around with the reflections. I mean, it was it was beautiful. It made logical sense, but it was also really creepy when everybody is running around the room trying to cover up any possible reflection of the room and she's crawling out of them. <laughs> she's crawling out of it and she's obviously like bent into all these unnatural angles from having to crawl all through the mirrors and I'm like oh that is really Sam Raimi right there and I haven't even seen that many Sam Raimi movies. Yeah I was boy it's been a long time since I've seen any I remember hearing that he had been behind one of the Spider-Man movie and I was like really because that didn't seem like Army of the Dead at all. (laughs) This movie oh my god so many callbacks to Sam Raimi. I mean just there's a scene where you've got a dead Doctor Strange and he's surrounded by this cape of flying corpses with hands reaching out all over the place and grabbing things. I'm like, man, that is like right out of Army of the Dead. That was when we were watching this. And of course, he reanimates the corpse of the Doctor Strange that got killed in the beginning of the movie. And Nathan leans over and says, Chekhov's dead magician. Like, yes, uh-huh. exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. You know what? That was uh, the, that got a laugh in the beginning of the movie. You know, okay, so you've got America Chavez was being attacked by this monster and he goes to save her. And that's when he finds out that she travels through different dimensions and she had met up with a Doctor Strange in a different dimension, but he had been killed and she brings him to the body. And I think Wong is there 
And he asks, like, well, what are you going to do with that? And you see Dr. Strange, like, lift the body up and sort of bury it amongst some bricks. And I think Wong says something like, that's got to be a code violation. And for some reason, that got a big laugh in the audience. <laughs> I think an even bigger laugh was when Wong manages to claw his way up the cliff at that scene towards the end of the movie. And he sees Dr. Strange in this whole, you know, soles of the damn cloak that he's wearing as a corpse. And Wong's like, I don't even want to know. And I thought, that's a very good reaction right there. <laughs> Well, that so they had established the idea of dream walking, the idea that every dream that you have that you're in is actually just a look at an alternate universe. And dream walking is going into the dream or an alternate reality of somebody else and basically taking over your alternate self's body. Wanda had been doing it, it's a very bad thing to do. And finally, just out of desperation, Dr. Strange needs to do it, and he needs to do it for our universe. And someone, I forget who, says like, oh, but there isn't another version of you living in that universe. And he's like, who said it had to be living? And that's when he brings back the corpse. And I'm like, yay! It was great. (laughs) Now, they gave Rachel Adams a lot more to do in this movie. Now, I think... I think the script of the first movie was better, but I really, the the horror elements of this one worked so damn well. I mean, it was like, and of course it was that combination between kind of a more comic book plot, I think, in this Mm -hmm. one, but then matched over with the really disturbing visuals, especially that whole scene where Scarlet Witch slaughters the Illuminati. And I will probably be coming back to that over and over again, because that was really brutal. I mean, her terror Richard Reeves apart into little strings of plastic until his head just kind of pops like a balloon. I'm watching going, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> I like how you said Richard Reeves. It's Reed Richards, but Oh, fine. Fuck. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> I was never really much of a Fantastic Four fan. I did think John Krasinski was like a perfect choice for the role. He was, he yes. Right? I was yeah. just looking at him going, wait, he's never done this character before, has he? Because my no. God, this looks like just perfect. Like I've seen him do that character before. It was great. And also in that same scene, you're meeting the Illuminati and you get introduced to all the various members. I mean, there's an alternate universe, Captain Marvel, an alternate universe, Captain America, uh, Black Bolt from the Inhumans, um, Mordor, Mordor, Mordor? Um, there's no way to know. Uh, yeah. Hang on, I'm <laughs> Mordo, excuse me. Um, all people were familiar with. Now, we already knew from the trailers, you had heard Patrick Stewart's voice at one point saying something like, I don't know, let's show him or whatever. And so everybody's like, oh my God, Professor X is going to be in the movie. But it still didn't prepare me to see Patrick Stewart come into the shot in his little, you know, yellow wheelchair like thing and to see him come around. And I actually got a little choked up at that I moment. I did too. And I didn't recognize it at the time, but they were playing a few bars of the theme music from the uh, X-Men cartoon, the animated yes. series years ago. Oh, oh That was like just such fan service, but so perfect. But I was also impressed to see... Um, Captain Carter from the What If. Yes. And I just saw that like, this is delightful. I love this. I'm really sorry her character's dead now because, damn, yeah, she got sliced in half by... But you didn't actually see that you knew what had happened. Yeah. But that's what we're talking about where it is really gruesome, but they didn't actually show the gore. You knew the trajectory of that shield. It definitely cut her in half, but you did not see two halves of a body. I was waiting for it, too. I thought for sure we'd see like a silhouette or off in a distance or like the, the feet 
falling one way and her head falling the other. No, they just, they, they left you to imagine exactly how bad that was. Oh, man. Now, Black Bolt, which, by the way, I know that all the trivia has been pointing this out. I did not notice this. I even sent a message to Leland, and I'm like, Black Bolt was played by the same guy who plays Captain Pike in Star Trek? And he's like, yep, sure does. So I think that actor is so attractive. So I don't know why I didn't notice that, but he does a great job considering the fact that he doesn't really have any spoken words. But the way he died, you know, the, the Illuminati, who were, you got to admit, way overconfident when mm-hmm. facing down Wanda, one of them says something like, you know, Black Bolt can kill you with one word from his mouth. And Wanda says something like, what mouth? And you pull back and you realize that she sealed his mouth shut. Like there's no mouth there anymore, which was horrific as is. But then you see him start to panic and he says something and the power just blows out the back of his head. And I I just, I literally gasped. I can't say that enough. Out loud in the theater, didn't see it coming. Gruesome, not too gruesome though, but really like startling. Yeah, it just, I mean, it was that fast. I mean, you see yeah. him start to make a scream noise and then suddenly one side of his head is completely deflated because he's blown oh. out his brain. Like, oh, oh wow. Oh, yeah, that was, ooh, that was an intense scene. But I mean, it's interesting because we've talked before about Wanda's character mm-hmm. and the idea of the different ways that they play male grief and female grief. Mm-hmm. And her main motivation is she is trying to get back to her children. And she doesn't care that she's basically going to an alternate universe and stealing the children from another version of herself. She doesn't care. She's clearly unhinged, gone all the way off the deep end. However, they've also made it very clear that Doctor Strange in many of these universes also goes off the rail and destroys literal universes. And in at least one of them, he destroyed it because he kept on trying to find a place where he could be happy with the woman of his dreams. So, you know, they, they really spread that kind of emotional damage around between male and female in this, oh, I do believe. And that was such a great line when um, Doctor Str- our Doctor Strange is talking to, they're calling him Sinister Strange. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Sinister Strange is talking about trying to find the universe where he could be happy with Christine. And I think he said that he was killing the other Doctor Strange yes. that he would find there. Yeah. And he tells Doctor Strange, did you ever have that dream where you're falling off a cliff and you die? I'm pretty sure that was me. So, oh, oh man, so creepy. Now, because this is a good segue, you had even told me before I went in to see the movie, you're like, oh my God, there is a one-on-one fight scene and it's my favorite and you're going to know exactly which one it is as soon as you see it. And I did. <laughs> it was the music battle. Oh my God. Because it was beautiful and it was freaking clever. I mean, yep, yep. I knew that they were doing different pieces, but the trivia actually talked about that. It was like Dr... Our Doctor Strange was doing the um, Beethoven Symphony in f- number five in C minor, and then oh. Sinister Strange was, of course, doing Toccata and Fugue. So oh, you man. just had the two, like that reverberating sound of the actual scores as they're fighting each other with notes hanging in the air. Oh, loved it. The effects were so because you know he like he gets flung. Our Strange, I think, this is the one who starts it, gets flung up against a piano in there. Now Jada says she heard that this was actually Benedict Cumberbatch's idea. I, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But just the idea you always see like these sets of the sanctum, sanctorum, however we say that. And there's always like a piano in there. And the idea he gets flung up against it, hits some of the keys, looks around, flings the sheets of music up in the air and basically pulls the music off of him. And that's what he's using to fight with. And it's just as soon as it started, I'm like, oh, this is the scene Catherine was talking about. And the finishing move, he's getting overloaded with all of the music that's getting fired 
fired at him by Sinister Strange, and then he looks over and sees a harp, and he just reaches over, and one note comes off of the harp and just absolutely obliterates the other Doctor Strange. So pretty. And I just honestly, and it was so out of nowhere. I mean, it was almost like, it was almost like absurd, but in a way that made a lot of sense. I mean, it's magic. You can just do whatever you want. And the fact that somebody out there thought outside the box. Who would have ever thought that we would have had a battle like that in a Marvel movie? I know! Yeah. Oh, just... And speaking of other weirdness and absurdities and everything, of course, you know, Doctor Strange and America Chavez are walking through the alternate version of Earth, and she's inadvertently stolen a pizza pop from somebody, and the vendor, who's... What's his name? Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell, of course, he's giving him a hard time, starts to give Strange a hard time, and Strange sets his own hand to start beating him up, which is so out of the Army of Darkness oh, yeah. and oh, Evil yeah. Dead. Yeah, right <laughs> out of there. I like how the trivia pointed out that at the very, 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 very last credits, which I couldn't believe there were people who were left our theater after the first set right? of credits. I'm like, amateurs. Anyway, the very, 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 very end, you see him because as... America Chavez and Doctor Strange were walking away from him. She's like, you know, watching the guy beat himself up. She's like, how long will that last? A few hours? He's like, "Mm, maybe a few weeks and everything. um, (laughs) At the very end, it actually does stop. And that he finishes out the movie by saying, it's over. And then goes to black, which is great. But the trivia did point out that the damage on his face was not nearly as bad as it would have been if he had literally been hitting himself for weeks. Not even days. Probably not even hours. So most likely Strange was kidding about that. I was like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, that would that would have been a little bit too much, especially since yeah. what the guy was upset about was America had been stealing from him. So yeah, but he yeah. was kind of being a jerk. That was also, I don't know if you call that lampshading or whatever. So she had she was trying to point out to Strange exactly, because she's apparently jumped through at least 70, I think she said, different Something universes. like she's that, yeah. for her moms when she was young, she accidentally blasted them into another dimension, and she's been looking for them, but she can't control her power very well. So she's traveled all these different dimensions, and she and Strange are walking around, and he starts to walk into traffic, because in this universe, you walk when the light is red, and you stop when it's green. And I was like, well, that's cool. Apparently, that's an idea that's shown up in comics before. I think so. I, I love that kind of alternate universe thing. That um, a book I reviewed for Pixelated Geek, I think it's um, Famous Men Who Never Lived, something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It's about refugees from another Earth that has been destroyed by a nuclear apocalypse having to settle in our universe. And just the, the random little things, like uh, the writer tarot deck, is it's, com- it's different but still the same because it was done by the same artist, but she broke up oh. with the person who had originally designed it, so she went on and designed her own deck. So that sort oh. of thing. But also someone talking about... Um, the toasters in our world and saying the toasters with those weird vertical slits. And I'm like, but how else would you make toast? (laughs) Exactly, right? Seriously. So she says, first thing you got to know is you can't take anything for granted in an alternate universe. You have no idea what the rules are. And the second thing, and she kind of disappears for a bit and comes back. She's like, you got to find food. And he's like, how did you pay for that? She's like, it's free here. Food is free in most worlds. It's weird that you guys have to pay for it. And then, of course, the vendor goes after her. She's like, oh, wait, maybe it's not free. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) That actually made me feel a little bit better. I'm like, oh, please tell me we're not the only stupid universe that makes people pay for their food. Yeah, yeah, seriously. But she was delightful, by the way. I thought she did a really great job. She like did, a very strong yeah. actress. Yeah, yeah, she was good. 
Yeah, and I liked her backstory. I mean, oh, that scene where she's like a little girl and with her moms, and they're all standing around in a garden, and she's giving one of her moms a uh, flower and everything. I thought, oh, that is so heartwarming. I really hope that maybe they'll have her find her moms at some point. Like, yeah, you know, because yeah. you finished up the movie with her training at a camertage, so mm-hmm. she's going to learn magic, but hopefully also learn to control her powers well, better than she did before, although Doctor Strange pointed out that every time she dragged them through the universes, she always got them exactly where they needed to go, which is also kind of lampshading the fact that if she was just randomly dragging them through stuff, isn't it a coincidence that they turned out to be in just the same universe where um, Wanda was trying to take over the other Wanda in order to get her children? So it's like the idea that she was controlling things even though she didn't know she was. I like that. Yeah, I do too. Now, okay, so before I forget, I have to I have to mention this one thing. So I know we're jumping around a lot in this, but there's so much going on. I'm just like, screw it. We're just going to talk about what occurs to us. So Wanda does finally, what happens is like there was this whole struggle to possibly take America Chavez's power away from her. And she realized, of course, Strange pointed out that she had more control over her powers than she thought she did. So she actually goes toe to toe with Wanda and America says something like, I can't beat you. But she does something else. She actually gives Wanda what she wants. She opens a hole into the dimension where Wanda wants to, you know, there's Wanda's children. And the whole thing was she was going to take those kids away. But the, the kids get to see her as she really is. You know, she's basically a monster. She attacks their mother. Um, she's, she yells at them. She frightens them. And she, at that moment, has that come-to-Jesus moment where she, she knows that what she's been doing is wrong, which was a nice way to do it. Now, the good Wanda, of course, picks herself off the ground and kind of, I think, understands what had happened. She's like, here is a Wanda that doesn't have her kids Well, she walks up to her and she very gently touches her face. And then she says, I don't know, because I couldn't make out what she said. And I was so (laughs) angry. If I was at home, I would have rewound, turned on the subtitles. I'm like, what? What? What did she say? So please tell me what she said. She says, know that they will be loved. So that was it. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> that breaks my heart a little what, bit. It would have been great if I could have understood it at the time. Was, was it another one of those things where the, the sound was all borked because somebody wasn't paying attention to the sound engineer? I don't know what it was. It's just I don't remember having a problem with any other line in the movie. I felt like the sound was perfectly understandable at all times. But that one thing, I'm even looking at the screen. I have my good glasses on and everything. And I just suddenly realized, I'm like, oh, wait, no, I couldn't, I couldn't understand what she said. I was very impressed. I mean, I was baffled by the fact that I was thinking this was all going to be fallout from the Spider-Man movie, Mm. but I'm really impressed that they went an entirely different direction with that. And that I knew that there was a chance that like Wanda would possibly be tempted to the dark side. I didn't realize she was going to be the focus of the entire movie. And we watched the, um, the red letter media review of this. And I think they had some problems with it. Like they have a lot problems with a lot of the MCU stuff. But one thing they said was that it almost might have worked better if this had been a Wanda movie with just Doctor Strange as a supporting character. And I thought, well, maybe? I don't know. She she was definitely way more prominent in this. I, I thought she was going to be second banana in the movie. I did not realize she was going to be the primary antagonist. Seriously, it makes me want to go back and look at all the trailers because I got done... After every trailer or featurette or teaser that I saw, 
I really thought it was Dr. Strange, you know, coming to her to ask her for help. And from the very moment he talks to her, he, re- he even says, he's just like, oh, they almost seem real. She's like, oh, they are real and everything. And he never bought that. And then she says something like, well, you know, you could always bring America here. And he's like, really? Or something like that. And she keeps walking along and he's looking at her and she stops. She's like, you never told me what her name was. He said, no, I didn't. And then everything turns incredibly sinister. I'm like, oh, she's going to be the bad guy. Yeah, oh, that, wow. That, it turned on a freaking dime that as yep. soon as she said, because she had said America and my brain was like, wait. And then she said that, that you never told me her name. I thought, oh my God, we're not even going to have a pretense of her being the good guy anymore. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. And I didn't even get it. I mean, I just completely missed that, which I, I'm always fine. I mean, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I saw that coming early on. I'm like, well, I didn't see it coming. So I was surprised. So I think I enjoyed it more than I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So many, so many good moments. It's really hardly. <laughs> so, of course, you know, you've got the moment where America and Doctor Strange crash randomly through all these worlds, which apparently, if you go through the trivia, there's all like little nods and things that they're crashing through, and it all looks great. Then they land in the world that they end up spending most of the time in. And she says something like, I'm surprised he didn't throw up. He's like, ah, it's not my first dimensional hop. And the second she said that, I was like, "Ah, oh, no. That was what I was thinking as soon as that scene was going on, because it went on longer than I think it needed to. And I'm like, Elizabeth Mm. is hating this. It was fine. It's like, as long as it's not real graphic. And in that one, you didn't see anything. You know, you heard a lot, but you didn't see anything. I'm like, okay, fine, that's fine. But I did like when he picked himself up, his cloak, his sentient cloak and everything, was like rubbing the sides of his mouth for him. He's like, stop, stop it. I just, I will never get tired of the cloak. I love the cloak. I wish the cloak would have more of a starring role in some of these movies. I mean, the the way the cloak was able to save people in the uh, Mm -hmm. Spider-Man movie, that just more of that, all of that. And it happened a little bit like at one point America was like being flung forward almost like a like a magic carpet on the cloak and everything. Boy, that first battle against the octopus one-eyed thing, that was so cool. Yes, I mean they use that uh one effect in the trailers, but that bit where he makes this humongous spinning mandala with spikes on it and then turns an edge on to slice through a bus that's been thrown at them. Oh, yes. That was even better seeing it on the big screen. I loved how strange was at Christine's wedding because of course, you know, he was gone for five years, and I guess they hadn't really been a thing. It wasn't, I thought at first they were trying to say that it was the five years that he had been gone that mm-hmm. destroyed the relationship, but that wasn't it. It sounded like either before or after that. But he goes to the wedding, and it's mostly fine. Obviously, it's a little awkward. And I think she's, I forget, she said something to him, some real, I think. You always want, I, I actually read the, um, the, the, quote about that is um, something like, you always want to be the one holding the knife, and I could respect that, but I couldn't love that. And I love his response was something like, wow, how long have you had that one in the barrel? And she's like, a while. <laughs> <laughs> but there's immediately a commotion going on outside, and he goes and looks, and there's a monster attack and everything, and you see him just casually sort of finish his drink and everything, and put it down, and he jumps off the balcony, and I think he flings like either his tie or a, you know, a, a scarf or something, flings it, and it turns into the cloak, and he dives down, and it was just so brilliantly done. It's like, it's like superhero-y, but really like super masculine. Yes, <laughs> like, oh, that's so good and effortless. I love what they yeah. can make it look effortless. Like, oh yeah, he's done this before. Yeah, yeah, and he like he's walking and seeing. 
you know, obviously America is running into this bus to escape something, but at that point they can't quite see what's happening. And you see him do this magical spell and it actually reveals what it is that's chasing her. But it's just, everything he does, he's worked so hard at the magical hand gestures to make everything look so cool. And then they just, they pair the effects with it so brilliantly. Yeah, they actually, um, when we go to the Alamo Draft House, uh, we always go early enough to see all the pre-show, which is like Mm -hmm. clips of weird-ass sci-fi stuff or old commercials, but they actually had a little featurette on those hand gesture things, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the finger-tutting things. So yeah, I yep, really yep. like that. Love it. Absolutely love it. So to just go to a completely unrelated tangent, because why not? Of course, the mid- credits moment that we saw was Charlize Theron shows up and says, you know, she needs Doctor Strange because there's been an incursion and she needs him to stop it and everything. And she's this white-haired, very ethereal looking woman. And of course, I totally didn't get who it was until I read the trivia. It's Clea. Yeah. And she appeared in the Chris Boschlow uh, series for Doctor Strange, didn't she? Like maybe she made one appearance I think she did. I remember her best from the Marvel 1610. That's because, of course, I never read classic Doctor Strange. She's been linked to him forever, but she was definitely his wife. I mean, she was not oh, human by any means. Yeah, so, but, yeah, yeah. She he, appeared he, in that. He got executed, and she like preserved his head uh, for the mm-hmm. journey across the seas, and was helping him mm-hmm. talk. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I did not know who that was in 1610 either. For some reason, I thought maybe it was some reference to something from the Tempest. I don't know why. No, well, why not? You know, um, yeah. Oh, and the trivia has just got all this references to classic comic book tropes and Easter eggs hidden in all over the place. A lot of it going straight over my head because. Doctor Strange, I never followed him until the Doctor Strange movie, and slightly before then is where the Chris Boschlow series right. got started, which is the high watermark for that character, as far as I'm concerned, uh, which sounds dumb because I haven't read a lot of him, but whatever, it was beautiful. <laughs> well, they did a lot of little callbacks in this movie, and I was so proud of myself for catching this one. When Christine is trying to protect Doctor Strange, when like the souls of the damned are flying all around and attacking him, and she grabs up this magical artifact, and I can't remember what she says, but she has like a, a lit piece of paper or something that she holds in front of it, and it acts like a freaking flamethrower and I saw that I'm like wait I know what that is it was in Doctor Strange the first Doctor Strange movie when he's fighting Kaecilius and he just grabs something off the wall and goes ha and holds it at him and Kaecilius backs off and then pauses and says you don't know how to use that, do you? Uh, and then he throws it at him. So, and I checked the trivia, <laughs> and that was exactly what it was. Yes, oh, it's some I some complicated that. name of the artifact that I don't think I'm not sure of how you would know that if you hadn't actually read the trivia. But I was like, ah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that was what was cool about Christine's character is that there was no moment when stuff had to get explained to her. She knew everything about Doctor Strange in this universe, and she had made it her life's work to study other universes. And the revelation, I just love the fact, like, he and America, they go see Mordo, and, well, they're not intending to see Mordo. He sees him, and, of course, that was his enemy in our world, and then it turns out they're friends in this one, or so he thought. And Mordo, of course, drugs them, and it turns out that Stephen Strange in this universe had been responsible for an entire universe being wiped out, and so he was Executed. Yeah, and he helped save their universe, but he still had to be executed. And yeah, now he was too dangerous. Yeah, he was too dangerous. But there's also the fact that it was pointed out in the trivia 
Doctor Strange has photographic memory, and he had to read all of the signs of the, the whatever the Book of the Damned was. I can't even remember what it was that allows you to do the really bad stuff that makes your hands turn black just because it's evil. So even though all of the copies of that book and the you know Citadel or whatever where the pictures had normally uh, originally been from was destroyed, he's technically still got a copy of the book in his head. So that could come into play later on. So when she originally, he shows up in our universe and gets drugged, and then they wake up in the glass-walled prisons, because, of course, it's a Marvel movie. If you put somebody in a prison, it has to have glass walls. Of course. That's what you do. Yeah. And Christine's there, and she's the one who's actually studying them, and she has no sympathy for him whatsoever. And you kind of get the idea that it's because... The Stephen Stranges in other universes were dangerous. You don't realize until later on that, no, it was the Stephen Strange in this universe that was dangerous, and Christine knew that. She had never believed the whole line about, oh, he was a hero the whole time. They just let the whole rest of the world think that he was a hero. No, she knew everything. She knew he was responsible for her. And I just liked that she was never hoodwinked about any of that. She wasn't some woman who had been misled in any way. No, she knew. Yeah, she was a very powerful character, I thought. They gave her a lot of, what is the word, agency. She has a lot more agency here than she had in the previous one, which is just basically to be stunned and surprised when Dr. Strange like astral projects himself all over the place in the hospital room. Yeah, man, man. Oh my goodness. Everybody did a great job. I don't think there was a weak actor in the whole thing. I mean, Wong was hilarious the whole time. Very fun. A lot of other cool characters. Um, I'm sure that the character of, I'm going to look up her name. Her name was Sarah and she was the woman who ended up destroying the book. Like, she stabbed it through, and it, of course, obliterated her. It was either her, the book obliterated her, or Wanda obliterated her, um, and she completely died. But it is, I mean, it's interesting. She kind of came out of nowhere, and I feel like maybe the character is significant in some way. I, I felt like she was definitely significant to Wong, but I'm not sure if it's a callback to a pre-existing character in a comic book. Yeah, might be. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I should probably read a few more of these comics. <laughs> But I feel like at this point, anything else I could say, I'd just be spinning my wheels. I mean, it was just, it was fun. I want to go see it again, just to really linger over all the effects. I know that I will pick up things the second time I see it that I totally did catch the first time. I'm glad it was wearing my good glasses. That was my one problem about the first Doctor Strange movie is there was so much going on. And at the time, my glasses were not quite the right prescription. And now I really felt like I got to just absorb so much more. <laughs> well, we had a great experience going to Alamo Draft House as usual. Uh, Alamo Draft Draft House, if you want to pay us for some advertising, that'd be great. Make us sponsor. Yeah, if you want to sponsor us, that would be fantastic. We had actually went over to our friend Jeremy and Aaron because, you know, the times that I've gone out there, we just have follow this pattern. I go over there, hang out, pet the cats, see her son for a little bit, and then we go over to watch the show. Well, we went over there, and we all got the alert on our phone of a flash flood warning. And then we got an alert that there was a tornado warning. And then we all just decided, uh, let's get over to the theater right the heck now. So we just dove into the car, and it was fine. There was never any danger or whatever. But we got into Alamo Drafthouse, and the bottom fell out out of the sky. It was oh, wow. pouring down rain. The lights were flickering a couple of times, but they have a little bar area, so we just went there and got ourselves some drinks and sat because it was too early to get into the theater, and it was fine, but it was just like, oh, this is a perfect experience for going to see it's a theater, seriously. especially oh, seeing a movie cool. like Doctor Strange. It was just that all those creepy overtones. Oh, that's... 
man, that's amazing. I love stuff like that when the atmosphere like actually cooperates with the movie to do something good. So, yeah, I don't really have an experience like that. I mean, we've already talked about In the Mouth of Madness seeing that on a night when the snow had kept everybody away, and so you get an empty theater. I did watch that movie Prince of Persia several years ago, mm-hmm. which can't really recommend it. I mean, it was fine. It was interesting, I suppose. But in the middle of the movie, there was an earthquake. <laughs> kind of like, holy cow. <laughs> it wasn't a bad one, but it was enough that the entire theater was like, uh, uh, oh, I guess we're okay. So, but it was like, <laughs> you almost thought it was an effect for a second there. You're like, like did, did yeah. we pay extra money for the D-Box seats that we didn't uh, know this theater uh, had? I know, seriously. It might have even been pre-D-Box. Maybe that's where they got the idea. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Tangent. So that's all I can think about. Can you think about anything else to add? Oh, no. I do want to see this movie again. I just, I mean, it's just brilliantly done. I mean, the effects were so glorious. I really feel like the Doctor Strange effects are my favorite in the MCU. I mean, of all, yeah. there, there can be better stories sometimes. There are characters that I like a little bit better, but just for this, the dazzling magic floating, glowing sigils in the uh, air is just so perfect. Yes, and Benedict Cumberbatch is so freaking charming. I mean, even when he's an animated corpse running around. I mean, come on. that Boy, that, that cloak of bodies was so cool and so Sam Raimi. Just, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I read the trivia that said that that was the screenwriter's idea to have the zombie strange because hmm. he was trying to do, because he knew Sam Raimi was going to be directing and he was trying to do things that he thought would fit with Sam Raimi's style. But apparently Sam Raimi was a little worried about including a zombie because he was afraid everyone would say, oh, it's Sam Raimi. He probably insisted that there had to be a zombie somewhere in the movie. I don't know. Worked really well. And even there were scenes with Wanda, you know, just a juggernaut and unstoppable. But sometimes she was like so injured and beaten up and there was like the blood of the Ultron robots all over and everything. She looked pretty zombie-esque too. And Marvel zombies is a thing. So it's like they are really trying to get all of the Marvel worlds into all of this. Yes, absolutely. There were a couple of shots where I think... um, that was where America was like trying to cover up more of the, the puddles of water because Wanda was using the reflections to try to escape. And she looks down at one and then you suddenly see this zoom in on Wanda's eye. And I thought, ooh, that is really Sam Raimi right there. Yeah, extremely. Man, it was just, it was fun. If you haven't seen it, I don't know why you'd be listening to this. We just spoiled all the things. <laughs> you should definitely <laughs> give it a try. Because even if you're not a Marvel fan, if you ever liked any of Sam Raimi's horror stuff, I think you'd really like it. Yeah. And I hope that this works out well, because I guess he got burned by doing a movie that didn't work out as well. or like, One of the Spider-Men. Yeah, yeah I think, Spider-Man. he, I think yeah, he was yeah. disappointed by the reception on that, and he wasn't going to do any more like fantasy sci-fi stuff. But um, yeah, oh. he seems to have hit the ground running with this one. Good. But I guess that is going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries, or fan art galleries. One of the two. One of the two. Some of that in there. And I really... <laughs> I was just thinking about this today. We had this plan where it was going to alternate between Welcome to Night Vale and Lore Olympus and back and forth like that. And what did that last? Like one week before the schedule gets thrown off. So now next mm-hmm. week we get to decide, are we going to do a Night Vale recap? Or are we just going to do Lore Olympus and then do the Night Vale afterwards so we can stick with the schedule? Who knows? <laughs> we do have a plan. We don't always stick to the plan. We do sometimes have a plan. That, that's a new thing. The plans that we simply cannot follow through with. Oh, it's fine. Whatever. One way or the other. We will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to you later.
now, hang on, I had a tangent. I'm trying to remember. Oh, crap. <laughs> Shit. It might be gone. <clears throat> give, me, give me one second. Let me see if I can figure it. So I'm going to pull it out of the ether. <laughs> Good luck. I know. Nope, totally gone. So. Totally gone. <laughs> well, I'm glad that's I'm not the only person that happens to. Jeez, man, alive. <laughs>